This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Ah, Heavenly Father, as our children depart to hear your word and uh, to enjoy fellowship with one another, may you grant us the grace to have the child's heart that you desire, to become like little children in in that uh, total surrender and trust and obedience and dependence upon you. Lord, grant us the grace to so hear your word that we would not grow up away from you, but we would grow up deeper fellowship with you. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen. Well, whenever it's, okay, whenever it's summer, I find my heart going back to those uh, first summers that I had in uh, ministry, about five summers, I guess, with a, 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 a young people's ministry. It was called Young Life. I appreciate, again, the people that are here from Teen Mission. And, uh, but uh, the ministry that I worked with before I became ordained for about five years was called Young Life. And it doesn't matter what it is, they're probably all more alike than they are different. But uh, we had given our lives to uh, get to know some young people during the year. Uh, we took them off to a week of camp that we hoped would be the best year of their life, the and best week of their life. And then we were gonna return home with them. But basically, the, what I'm trying to say, it was all about investing your life in young people in relationships and hoping within that relationship that you could begin to get enough trust that as you listen to their heart and life, they would be willing to listen to uh, what's important in our heart and life, that we would have an opportunity uh, to be able to share with them uh, who Jesus is and have, and have them uh, you know, get away from so many things that distracted them, uh, concern about what they're going to do as they got older, where, you know, if and where they're going to go to college, what about the military, what about that family that's breaking up right now, the divorce their parents are going through, what about their friends who are, who are maybe being uh, uh, on the road lost to some form of addiction or whatever, what about that girlfriend, that boy, you know, so many things just consuming, uh, they're consuming them all the time. And uh, hopefully in those relationships, going forward to uh, some, a very, very nice resort in the Rocky Mountains, for almost three miles high, 14, more than 14,000 feet up, if you can picture that height, more, almost three miles high. And again, uh, hoping that they would have the best week of their life and all sorts of high adventure activities, but then also taking those times for conversation, uh, for small groups, for presentations in the morning and the evening that, uh, that they would consider uh, this, this uh, person, this God, God, fully God, fully man, who said, I've come to bring you life and bring it abundantly. Well, after hearing all of uh, all the adventures and things and, and uh, a good week and, and after the small groups and the one-on-one discussion and the... Um, um, 
the, the, the talks in the morning and the evening, the, the presentations of, of Jesus and the gospel. We would take them on a hike that would lead out to a precipice and there from an elevation of almost 14,000 feet, they would be looking over this expanse of the next mountain range, which just happened to be the Sangre de Cristo mountain range, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ mountain range. And against that backdrop, there was a large wooden cross. And we invited them to simply be still. I think it was said on the cross, be still and know that I am God. But they heard all the words, they had all the adventure, they are amidst a magnificent backdrop of God's creation. And with all the words that had come out of them, say, just take 15 minutes and ask the Lord to come and speak to your heart as only he can, as only he knows how to, to come with his personal you know, word for you. And there are people praying all throughout the camp. Oh, there's always about 400 to 500 kids in these camps. And people praying for them all over the nation, all over the world. And those were amazing times of breakthrough. That somehow it all came together for many of them, and I dare say most of them. And you'd hear within that silence, maybe some weeping begin or tears. And uh, I, I, I could just go on for that, but, but it was amazing to witness as they walked out of that silence and down the mountain and began to ask them, would anyone like to share what happened during that time? How many, one after another after another, you know, would get up and talk about either receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior or uh, if they had, you know, just fallen away from distractions of life, you know, a return to him. But uh, they see so many, so many kids go home and uh, transformed. Now, would it stick? You know, that's up to the ongoing discipleship and whatever. But it was a great, great privilege to stand on holy ground and to witness uh, a moment when deep called the deep. And he who is the crucified Savior who lives by the power of his own person and presence and Holy Spirit, do that surgical work that only he could, of breakthrough that he could do to touch a young person's heart at the time when, uh, for a decision for him at a time when they were making so many decisions and pressures about so many things. Now, I hope I haven't taken too much time to set the stage for it, but we're invited into Scripture today. We're called into just about four or five verses of Scripture where uh, Jesus is going to a home of some dear and precious friends of his. 
Matter of fact, in John's gospel, when it speaks of Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus, it says in, in the 11th chapter of John, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when we enter this story, let's go make sure that we are clear on the heart of the Savior. He loved that family. It was a sweet and special place for him to, uh, to come uh, to be with them. Martha herself gave uh, one of the uh, most profound confessions. Sounds like the confession of St. Thomas uh, when, when she says, uh, when Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. And uh, Martha says, when uh, uh, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And again, uh, Martha says something very similar to St. Thomas when he met Jesus raised from the dead. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Now, why I want to go and emphasize the deep, deep love that is recorded that Jesus had for this home, this family, and for Martha, Mary, and Lazarus by name, and why I wanted to go and recall uh, from the Gospel of John Martha's own confession that she trusts that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God, is to say, let's not walk away from here with uh, some of the uh, uh, things that have been said about this passage, that this is about uh, the life of active service to the Lord versus the life of prayer. This is not what is happening in here. What this is coupled with is what immediately comes before when Jesus is teaching about the life of service and he talks about the Good Samaritan and, and he says, how does loving uh, your neighbor behave? It's, it's not our task to define who our neighbor is. Our task is to say, uh, how does loving our neighbor behave by God's grace and the fullness of his spirit? And we see in that story of the Good Samaritan a love which simply can't stop giving. And Jesus says, this is it. Go and do likewise. This is the life that I want for within you. This is the life of service wherein uh, it's giving that you receive, and what you give is the very, my very life that I put in you. So that's the contrast. This is, uh, goes along with it. If that's loving our neighbor as ourself, that what immediately follows after with the story of Martha and Mary is what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength? We're given two pictures for life journeys. We know the command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. One taken from Deuteronomy, one taken from Leviticus. But uh, we, it helps us from childhood until the day we die to have some pictures from Scripture of what this looks like. And we're given by Jesus' own lips and heart the, his story of the Good Samaritan to say, here's what it looks like by giving you receive, 
And now we have this account immediately following it, which complements it to say, and here is uh, how I want you to be receiving. Here's what loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength looks like. It is soaking ourselves in the word, the word written and the word spoken and the word Jesus incarnate. That is the, that is the life of prayer and, and, the, and, and worship and the life of service in those two things, not in the contrast of Mary and Martha. When Jesus comes to their home, who is that knocking at the door? Who is that knocking at the door? Yeah. Jesus says to us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens it, I'll come in and we'll break bread together. I'll dine with them. But I, I want to go back to just a, from Colossians and, uh, and to uh, hear again just the first, uh, not the whole reading, but the first few verses to remind us that when Jesus comes to the home of Martha and Mary, when Jesus says, I want to be here today in your breaking of bread, in your opening of the word, in your worship, you know, for us to be still for a moment before this reading from Colossians, which is an amazing passage for us to say, who is this who wants to visit us? And amazing thing, he wants to speak to us. And then he wants us to speak with him. He wants fellowship with us and a relationship. Listen again. This Jesus He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth. Everything visible and invisible. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Wow. When Jesus knocks on Mary and Martha's door, he is on a journey. It said earlier, uh, about a chapter or so earlier, that he had set his face like flint. He had set his face and his heart, his whole being with determination to make that final journey to Jerusalem. And he was teaching them over and over, and he says, take these things in deep into your heart. His teaching was continual, continual, on every segment of, I must be betrayed and delivered up and crucified and die, but I will raise again. 
And I'll continue there my ascension into glory. And so he had, on this journey, and, and, and you know, we know he was sending people out, different, you know, a group of 12, and then a group of 70, and to every town that he wanted to go. But every town he wanted to go, he wanted preparations made. And, and so that he, when he got there, that he could go and, and uh, uh, be in their presence as one who was going to be the Lamb of God to lay down his life for them, to take away the sin of the world. And he was coming in that journey on that context. And he was showing within himself what it is by his own actions, his own person and work, what it is to love the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul, all of his strength. He was loving the Father by not my will, but thy will be done. And, uh, and what it is to be a neighbor because he's going to be a neighbor to us and to lay down his life, to die in our place for our sin. So there he is on that journey and, and, he, and everything is with an urgency and a clarity and a focus and an unbroken message. And when he comes to that sweet place that is, an, that is home to him, to his dearest of friends, that's very much on his heart. It doesn't say exactly all that he wanted to do, but the context of that journey says he's not going to come to that house many more times. Every visit's the last. Every moment is precious. And he not only wants that, that fellowship with them, but he wants them to have the same clarity of what's going on as he does for everybody else, even more so. So... What does we see in the, in the first story today that uh, God is the God who visits us. And when he visits us, he has something to say. That God comes to visit Abraham. And uh, Abraham, uh, I imagine that part of the reason that Martha is so concerned to want to do something very special for one who loves her so much and she loves so much and, and uh, is like, I want to do something special. I want to do something special. And just like Abraham recognized uh, something very big and very holy is going on here, could I just give you a sip of water and a morsel of bread? Quick, Sarah, quick, guys. Kill the calf, make make the best bread. You know, this is a holy visitation. And God has something to say to Abraham. He says, Sarah is going to have a son. God came not because, you know, well, in this culture, hospitality is important and it goes back to biblical times. And hospitality, the longer I'm here, I've been around here 26 years, coming and going, but the more I'm here, the less I know. I couldn't begin to go and explain all the power and the intricacies and the rules and the do's and don'ts of Middle Eastern hospitality and biblical hospitality, but I do know one thing. When you're on a journey, you need something. Especially in this land, if somebody comes to your house, they're probably dehydrated. You better at least get them some water. <laughs> they, yeah, they probably do need something to eat. It's, uh, but Jesus wasn't going around saying, where can, I, where can I just sort of hang out while I'm on tour? <laughs> you know, or who can I just sort of uh, uh, freeload from or whatever? 
you know, and, and get the nicest deal in town. As a matter of fact, he warned his, his, uh, the group of 70 that he sent out and his disciples. He says, don't go out there and go place after place after place and try to trade up. Don't go out there and try to trade up, if you know that, that expression. But go someplace, give the Lord's peace, you know, do eat what's set before you, but the main thing that you're there for is to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near and, to, and demonstrate that in, in healing, casting out demons. But basically, your presence is to be the kingdom of God is breaking in. God's, God's reign and God's rule has begun in Jesus Christ. So go prepare my way so when I come. So here, you know, when, when, uh, when Jesus comes in, his time is short. It's a serious journey. He's with his most beloved friends. And uh, he wants that sweet fellowship with them. Is hospitality a necessary part of things? Absolutely. Jesus himself commanded it. But yet, here's the strange thing that we look at Martha not to look down on her or to think ill of one that Jesus loves so deeply and she loves the Lord so deeply, but are we caught by distraction? That's my sort of theme today is, is, is distraction, things that pull on our heart. Just as we were so distracted where we couldn't even hear the gospel at all at one point in our life, so those storms of, 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 of distraction come in. And sometimes it can be from sorrows or difficulties or pressures or, you know, whatever that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, even in the midst of, of, a, of a worship service like this, I would venture to say that my mind goes and heart goes through times of just the birds keep flying through of everything that would draw me from the love of God or his presence. And I have to make that decision, don't let those birds build a nest. We can't stop the birds from flying through our hearts and heads, but don't let them, don't let them build a nest. You know, take every thought, make it captive to the Lord. But yet there's also those times to say, uh, let me really do something special for the Lord. Now, did we talk to him about it first? There wasn't really any indication in there that Martha, you know, said, Lord, you're here. Would you please sort of tell me what's going on so we know how to best serve you? It was like, I got this. I got this, you know, and I'm, you know, I love him and he loves me and this is, you know, a lot of things going on. I'm going to do something really special. And then uh, uh, Mary, you know, she's helping too. The language is clear. She's, she's involved for a while, but then all of a sudden she says, you know, enough. Now it's time to sit down and uh, we, we've, you know, we've, we've got him rehydrated. We've got him food there. The, you know, let's go and sit down and hear, Lord, you've knocked on our door. You want to speak. Just like Abra uh, God wanted to speak to Abraham. Lord, you knocked on our door. You visited us. And when God visits us, he wants to speak. What a privilege, you know, when the, when the, when the God of the universe wants to come and abide with us and speak to our hearts. It not only is our duty to listen to him, it should be our delight. Wow, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Somewhere along the line, though, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, 
sort of a difficult scene where, where Martha, when you take the commands to love your neighbor as yourself and to love the Lord your God, she's actually coasting down a road to where she's, she's walking in the wrong direction in both. She, she comes to the conclusion about her sister, you are so selfish. You are so selfish. So now she's falling out of love with her neighbor and her own sister. And then she comes into Jesus' presence and says, you don't care. You don't care. I mean, here I am doing all this. I'm sure he must have had moments like this, where we're, you know, moments like this in our life where we're really doing something and we look over and say, what? What? What's going on here? I'm doing all this and you're having all that. My sister has left me. She's getting all the good stuff. Everything that I want, she's doing. You are so selfish, sister, and Jesus, you don't care. And how, and perhaps she came to that conclusion because she didn't stop to ask first, Lord, why are you here? What word do you want to speak? What do you need from me? I don't know, perhaps. But again, this isn't a, a thing about lifting up Mary and putting down Martha. This is about a thing of looking at real people to say, does this happen with us? And, and some of the, uh, the, of the indications that maybe uh, we need to just draw closer to the Lord is all of a sudden when we're finding lots of reasons to go and get critical and, and uh, suspicious of our most precious relationships and unity is being broken, and somehow when we're saying to the Lord, I don't really know if I can trust you and I don't really feel you care right now, or you're not very present, Maybe that should have been an indication to Martha, there's not a problem with Mary and I. Uh, how about looking inside your own self first and to see if you need to just let go of some of it? And that's what he did. Martha, Martha, there's a playfulness about it, but a seriousness. There's a desire to correct, but not to hurt or wound. But basically is what Mary is doing I want for you. I came here to be with you, both of you. And you, both of you, need to be with me. I need you, and you need me. Who among us doesn't need to take time regularly as we see ourselves? maybe out of sorts with the Savior and out of sorts of one another to say, maybe I need to take some responsibility here and get my, you know, readjust what I understand is really necessary, what the priorities are, and what proportions I need to do things. Mm-hmm. And, and so I hope we hear in this ending, because it's there in the languages, and it's too, it's, it's, it's too complex, and it'd just probably be boring. Just trust me, it's there in the languages where Jesus, in, in his gentle but clear way of, of uh, bringing his beloved friend, whom he loves, Martha, around, he's saying is, what Mary has chosen, I want for you. So it's a little bit exaggerated, 
you did this to yourself, Mary. You did this to yourself, Martha. You did this to yourself. And you can choose to stop. (laughs) So come on, join us. Come on and join us. Now, why is that important, you know, for, for, I guess, me personally today? This week, as I'm praying and studying about it, I ran across in, in Psalm 90 uh, the, uh, the verse where it talks about uh, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. Well, I've got family members who live well into their 80s and some into their 90s. My spiritual director died at 103 a couple things ago. But I get the point because in just a few, not too many weeks from now, I'm going to be 70. And all of a sudden, that theoretical number that was in Scripture that I read as a teenager or a 20 or 30 or 40, I'm thinking, um, every, you know, I didn't die of disease like I could have a couple years back. I didn't die in car wrecks. I didn't die in battle, whatever. By God's grace and goodness, I've made it to 70. And he says, you get to 70, you know, that's great. That's, that's it. And maybe 80 if, if things go well. And nowadays, maybe a little more. But I got the point. What comes after it is, teach us to number our days that we'd apply our hearts unto wisdom. Get our priorities right. Understand what is necessary. Jesus says when he visited, when, he visit, when God visits us, there is a God. There is a God, a creator, and he comes to us as, as our redeemer. And, when he, and he wants to speak to us. And our, the relationship he wants to have is a relationship which amazingly has language where he talks to us in his word, in prayer, in one another. He actually visits and speaks to us heart to heart, deep calling to deep, and we can speak to him. But yet, like any relationship, we have to go and have necessity. You say, you know, this is necessary. We have to make priorities. We have to be intentional. And so uh, this is, I I find this is just a a, a four or five... um, verse uh, 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 vignette or account out of, out of uh, a, a household, a relationship in our Lord's life among his friends to say, and what is true here will be true down through history, around the world, around the globe, you know, wherever people are walking with me, you know, uh, th- this is going to be a dynamic. You know, we'll have to be intentional. And what I want us to hear and hear is the Lord's love, you know, for us. The Lord's love for them and his love for us. I look back this week. I've just had one after one, another after another just emerging up out of my heart. Memories of, uh, of people in my life. I say, who do I want to be when I grow up? Well, I don't know if you, when in America when you take an exam, they say, okay, time's up. Close your books, put the pencil back in the desk, hands up, away from the table, time's up. And I, kept, and I, I think back in my life of who do I want to be like when I grow up in terms of spirituality? And, and I, I look at a lot of, uh, of folks, and I, I, I was, was going to describe to you, but this goes too long. But think in your own heart, the people in our life, maybe from childhood and later on, later on to say, wow, 
These are the people who made Jesus real for me in, in relationship. You know, maybe they didn't have the fanciest teaching in the world, you know, or whatever, or, or you know, and, or flamboyant, whatever, but somehow, when I think about God becoming incarnate and the words of the Bible becoming real, it was their character. It was just the aroma of their life. Or as it said in, their, in, the, in the reading, Christ in them, the hope of glory. Jesus was real in them, the hope of the glory. And, 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 and a little bit of homework. Go back and think back through those people in your life. Let the Lord bring them to mind. And every single one of those people, it was, it was, it was unique about them is they were men and women who had saturated themselves in prayer and in talking back and forth, listening to Jesus in prayer, in the Bible, the word written, the word incarnate, and talking with him. It had that unbroken conversation going. And who did they become in their life? Just humble men and women who somehow you say, if I want to go and learn about Jesus, I think I want to go talk to this person because that's the kind of person I want to be when I grow up. The sad thing is I'm grown up and I haven't become that person completely yet. So, uh, um, so now I got to work on that one. That's my, that's my next thing to, you know, to, to work out. But um, let, us, let, us, let us just close in prayer. And, um, and Lord, we, we do thank you. Oh, Lord, we do thank you that when we consider who you are in Jesus and what you've done for us, that you would actually want to dwell with us. And in dwelling with us, you have things to say heart to heart every day. That you desire to walk with us in, the, in just the cool of the evening, the cool of the morning, the heat of the day. Yes, even through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, everything you want to speak to us is good and it's life, even when it's exhortation and correction. Lord, we have distractions. We have distractions. Heal us, cleanse us, transform us. Do that work of breakthrough through us. And Lord, as you have been so faithful to send people into our lives who had the very aroma of being close to you, may you, at whatever stage of life we are, continue to transform us, that we would have the joy and the high privilege of being Christ in us, you and us, the hope of glory to whoever and wherever you desire to send us this day. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem by clicking the Donate Now button on our Facebook page. Thank you and blessings from the city of the king.